This is a podcast from CSIS, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, a private nonpartisan think tank located in Washington, D.C. Hello, and thank you for tuning into the CSIS Cybersecurity Podcast Series. My name is Denise Jung, and I'm the Program Manager and Research Assistant for the Technology and Public Policy Program at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. Today, I'm interviewing Dr. James Mulvenin on China and cybersecurity. Dr. Mulvenin is the director of DGI's Center for Intelligence Research and Analysis. He is a specialist on the Chinese military, and his research focuses on Chinese C4 ISR, that is, command control, communications, computers, intelligence, and reconnaissance, as well as defense research development acquisition organizations, strategic weapons programs, cryptography, and the military and civilian implications of the information revolution in China. Dr. Movenin, thank you for letting us interview you for this podcast series. As part of China's informatization, military modernization effort, the PLA is seeking to develop an advanced information warfare capability, of which computer network operations is one component. This major military modernization effort has been ongoing for the last decade. How far along are the Chinese in developing these capabilities? What we see on the ground in China uh, particularly with the Chinese military, is nothing short of a revolution. Uh, this notion of C4ISR, command, control, computers, communications, uh, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance, um, they have been able to take advantage of the fact uh, that China is the world's information technology workshop, uh, and they've been able to build a very sophisticated, multi-layer, encrypted architecture to support its military modernization. Um, it's all based on this idea of informatization, which is frankly a very hard concept for Americans to understand. Uh, but one easy way to think about it is they have this very advanced communications infrastructure, and then they have an inventory of military equipment, some of which is advanced and some of which is fairly primitive. And so they're using these information and communication technologies to be able to sort of network together this hybrid inventory of hardware so that the whole is greater than the sum of the parts so that they can fight together better against a high-tech enemy like the United States. Um, and so we think they've made tremendous progress in that area. Um, and in some cases, the, the interesting thing to us is that they're not actually fully taking advantage of that architecture because so many cultural and organizational things impede them from actually using the full value of of those technologies. Beijing announced a 7.5% decrease in their 2010 budget. How does this reflect on its cyber budget? And um, how much of its defense budget overall is spent on developing cyber capabilities? Well, Beijing announced that they were only going to increase the defense budget by 7.5%, which was uh, less than it has been for the last 20 years, where it was on average above 10% annual increases. And some people ask the question, does this mean that military modernization is a lower priority? Uh, and I would say no, what it really means is that it's easy to lie with statistics. Um, and that uh, the Chinese military and the Chinese lead political leadership are very aware of the fact that it has, that every year, every March, there is this negative China threat story written in the uh, U.S. media about their budget increases, and they simply decided that they were going to announce a lower number. Um, I think that it's more important to look at what they've actually achieved on the ground in terms of military modernization, which has been remarkable. Now, how much of that do they spend on cyber? Uh, no one knows. 
All I can say is they have certain distinct advantages on the cyber side, not the least of which is the fact that this, I, this information technology revolution is going on in China, and the military can take advantage of that by pulling that expertise and those technologies out of this indigenous industry uh, to be used for military computer network operations. It's evident that China is investing a lot in developing cyber capabilities, but what about broader information warfare, um, like electronic warfare, jammers, and things like that? The Chinese military has made uh, a huge investment in electronic warfare in particular, um, uh, revitalizing and modernizing its entire electronic warfare infrastructure uh, on the coast. The reason being is they know they're going to be in a highly complicated electromagnetic environment if they were in a military conflict with the United States. Uh, and they also know that the U.S. military and its allies are heavily dependent on uh, electronic systems. Uh, and so they want to be able to jam and to spoof and to disrupt those as best they possibly can. Um, the other elements, frankly, of information warfare are also equally important to them, whether it's psychological operations, uh, deception, um, you know, the, the use of information operations to, uh, through propaganda to, to affect enemy perceptions. Those are all very important to them because they know they're at an asymmetric disadvantage in terms of technology levels, and they need to, they need to make changes in the mindset of the adversary in order to improve their ability to prevail in a military conflict. How does China recruit cyber warriors? Um, do they, how much do they depend on hired patriotic hackers, and do they hire, recruit uh, cyber warriors from outside of China? It's a good question. The Chinese military um, is able to draw from a fairly large pool of people to, to engage in, the, in this sort of cyber conflict and, and cyber intrusions, only some of whom have to be uniformed military personnel. Um, they are, they are more comfortable with using proxies and non-government and non-military personnel, certainly, than the United States is. Uh, in the United States system, if you're going to be engaged in that kind of activity, uh, you have to have a full top-secret clearance with a lifestyle polygraph, and you have to be in this very, very small circle of trust. The Chinese and the Russians appear much more comfortable with using uh, affiliated and even non-nationals uh, to be able to carry out this kind of activity. Um, and more importantly, the military in China is allowed, is capable of drawing from uh, the companies and the institutes that provide the technologies and the software and the know-how and to use them as a larger cyber force than simply what would show up on an organization chart. Um, in the United States, the Department of Homeland Security is tasked with protecting the federal civilian networks. Is there a DHS equivalent in China? And how far along are the Chinese in developing a coordinated interagency plan for cybersecurity? Do they even have one? And um, do they use American cybersecurity plans to inform their own? There is a rough analogous organization in China, the Department of Homeland Security, in other words, the Ministry of Public Security. The Ministry of Public Security is technically responsible for cyber defense of, of China's national networks and its government networks. Um, its, its responsibilities are different, obviously, than the full range of responsibilities that the Department of Homeland Security has in the United States. Um, but as for their success, I would argue that they have, they have suffered from some 
significant structural disadvantages along the way, not the least of which is that such a high percentage of the software in China is actually pirated. And so you can never be assured that any of that pirated software has been updated properly to fix the many security problems that you would find, for instance, in Microsoft Windows or in Microsoft Server. Um, and so because of that, um, I would argue that the cybersecurity levels domestically in China are actually quite low uh, and that China is quite vulnerable uh, to the use of cyber warfare tools by adversaries against them. A lot of what we hear about in the news with regard to China and cybersecurity have to do with fears about Chinese espionage, hacking, <clears throat> cyber warfare abroad. How alarmed are the Chinese about the threat um, that the Internet poses to their own security and political stability? Which one are they more concerned about, threats coming from abroad or their own domestic stability? Uh, the, the Chinese <laughs> government has always had uh, a very cautious approach uh, to the Internet and to information technologies because they realize uh, that they have to walk a very thin line. On the one hand, uh, they know they have to be connected to the global information grid for, the, for economic development. And economic development is the basis of social stability, and social stability is a top government priority. But at the same time, they know that these information technologies um, and the content that rides on those information technologies contains values and methodologies that threaten the single-party rule of the Chinese Communist Party. Um, I think they've done a remarkable job of walking that thin line, of being able to find that balance, of nimbly and flexibly responding to the introduction of new information technologies uh, and new methodologies into their system. Uh, but, but they really continue to believe um, that these technologies could pose a fatal threat uh, to the regime. Not necessarily the content, but the capacity of these technologies to allow people across vast distances, both outside and inside China, to organize themselves in anti-regime behavior, that's what keeps the leadership up at night. What types of actions have the Chinese taken to make their own critical infrastructure more resilient to cyber threats? Well, the first thing they did was they set up an architecture from the beginning uh, whereby all international traffic had to pass through a finite small number of international gateways, um, both in Beijing, Shanghai, and Guangzhou. What that meant was that they created basically bottlenecks where through a, through a national level uh, internet demilitarized zone, or what some people uh, fondly call the Great Firewall, they could set up a series of technologies that would allow them to monitor and filter traffic coming in and out of China. Um, secondly, uh, they have deployed technologies within China uh, that allow them to monitor behavior uh, at the more local level. But most importantly of all, more important than the numbers of internet police, more important than technology, they created a regulatory and bureaucratic and legal environment in China that incentivized people to self-censor and self-deter uh, by, uh, by creating an environment in which um, people preferred not to break the rules. And I'll give you one good example. China's internet service provider law says that an ISP is responsible for the activities of all of its subscribers. Such a law in the United States would be unthinkable. Uh, but in China, what that meant was the internet service providers then saw their own market-based incentive to put their own monitors in chat rooms 
times to kick people off if they engaged in political in political discussions. They so-called da mamas or big mamas. Um, and basically what China did, the Chinese government, was it outsourced Internet censorship and enforcement to the market. And that's the real insidious secret of the success of Chinese Internet censorship thus far. In China, the term information security is preferred to cybersecurity. What is the difference and what is the reason for this preference? Semantically, I think the reason why the Chinese prefer the term information security as opposed to cybersecurity is that information security covers both the technologies as well as the content. I think in the United States, cybersecurity is more narrowly defined as protecting the networks and the network infrastructure. And the U.S. government tends to be fairly neutral about the content, unless the content is terrorism-related or child pornography or a very narrow set of things. Uh, the Chinese government, by contrast, is very interested in the content of Internet traffic. And so information security is far more inclusive of a term than cybersecurity. Does this suggest that they're more concerned about controlling content than they are about the resiliency of their own networks to cyber attacks? Right. Well, a good example is the Chinese government basically shut down the internet in Xinjiang province for six months because of their concern that the internet was being used to mobilize anti-regime activities by the Uyghur population. Um, it's unthinkable in the United States that we could basically cut off an entire state's internet for six months uh, because of the damage it would do to economic development and to the market. Uh, but in China, uh, that content was more important than the resiliency of the network. They would rather shut the network off to prevent the content from being disseminated uh, than to try and figure out how to censor the content in real time while maintaining the resiliency of the network. Are there ways in which the United States and China could cooperate on cybersecurity? What would be a good starting point? For example, prosecuting cybercrime, information sharing, is cooperation likely? Right now there's not a lot of common ground between uh, Beijing and Washington on cyber issues. One area, however, in which we could begin to develop the kinds of strategic trust necessary to tackle the more difficult issues is cybercrime. Uh, because we do have similar laws on things like child pornography and, and the like. And that if we were, in fact, to try and cooperate in this narrow area and establish these communication channels, we might be able to move them into more controversial areas. Um, but because of the plausible deniability of the network, the Chinese and the United States are always going to be able to conduct cyber espionage um, and other things uh, in a completely deniable way um, and are really not preventable through treaties or negotiations or interagency coordination. Thank you for listening to the CSIS podcast. For more, please visit us online at www.csis.org.